Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 5th of April, 2022. You've got 10 days to do your taxes, which is just a way for me to remind myself that I have 10 days to do my taxes. Good Lord. Welcome to the program. We wait till the last minute. Why? Because there's no time like the last minute, damn it. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. I appreciate the use of your ears. And oh, by the way... um, (laughs) See, these good things come from emails. Nathan sent an email about the, and I need reminding of these people. I don't remember what I say from one day to the next. It's, I'm like Joe Biden, but with better recall, except I don't remember. Like I said this yesterday, so I don't want to say, I don't remember that stuff, but I just remember factoids. Um, Nathan wrote in about the teachers, particularly the one teacher's like, how am I supposed to invalidate my relationship, blah, 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 blah. And he pointed out, he said, that needs the Civil War music. And he's right. I didn't even think about it. And I don't know how it works, how well it works. It's it's not quite the whining tales of, here's my horrible situation as I have to go without my government check for a couple of days kind of stuff. But I think it sounds pretty good. So thanks to Nathan and at the request of Nathan. If there's something I've done that I can't remember, assume I don't remember anything. And then remind me, but you got to be specific because some people email me and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. And then I think, I don't know, it occurs to me like when I'm going to sleep. And by then it's too late because I'm going to sleep. I've just got a weird memory. I remember everything eventually, but nothing immediately. I remember it in the moment, but uh, not when somebody brings it up to me. I try not to. I find it wildly narcissistic if you just sit around listening to yourself and committing what you say to memory. But anyway, here it is. Listen, I think it fits perfectly. So thanks and shout out to Nathan. As an elementary school teacher in Florida, um, this new bill has really been weighing on me a lot. I teach first grade, which means my classroom is one of the ones that will be directly affected. Um, For those of you who haven't been in the classroom in a while, one of the things that teachers always do with back to school night and meet the teacher and things like that is they like send home this cute little like meet the teacher thing where it has like a little bio about us some of our favorite stuff just so that you know who we are how do i do that next year do i lie and not talk about my marriage? Do I pretend I'm single? Do I invalidate my spouse's stance as a trans femme person? Or do I put my job on the line to introduce myself? What am I supposed to do? All right, let's, you know what, everybody ninja to die, died that day in the Civil War. These people really do think they're heroes. They really do think they're in a war and a battle and, oh my God, they're on the side of right and righteousness. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
So let's get to the truth. First of all, the truth is you should go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and uh, sign up there to get the bonus episodes and the uh, curse program and all the looks into things and enter the contest. This week's contest is between Adam Carolla and Dana Perino, both autographed books. Both of their first autographed books, first books by both of them autographed. So uh, winner is drawn on Sunday, so you've got until eh, probably Saturday before you sign up. And you get the Week in F and Review. You get all the special bonus stuff at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to DF. I don't know if I didn't ask permission for this person's name to be shared, but uh, DF emailed me. Didn't want to go through Patreon, but wanted to support the program. And I appreciate what, that DF did that. I will, I'm, I got to confirm whether or not DF, she, uh, DF said that the uh, curse program might not be for them. But I sent it to them. I can send it via email if I lower the bit rate so it's small file-wise. So if it's as, long, as long as it's under 20 megabytes, it's fine. So I put it at like 56 bit rate. Uh, then I can email it out. And I got to see if DF wants a continuation of it. But DF Venmoed me, and I appreciate the hell out of that. So thank you very much. You can always email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. And uh, yeah keep in contact any and all support is much obliged because it's just me i'm literally sitting here i gotta post pictures of my new setup here since we moved i'm sitting here looking at the beach boys a reagan thing from when he ran for governor the picture that bono drew me when i saw him in the senate signed picture by willie mays signed my really an awesome picture of duke snyder the replacements autograph charity thing that i won Another Willie Mays picture, and then a, an issue, the issue of Charlie Hebdo after the uh, the massacre there. I went on eBay and bought a copy of that Charlie Hebdo and other stuff. I'll have to post some pictures up at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Enough, enough rambling, but uh, there are plenty of ways to support the program, and I appreciate everybody who does it. Now, let's get on with the show. There is a lot going on in the world, plenty of ground to cover in one of these days where you sit there and you go, where do we start? What do we do? There's uh, Florida news. There's, uh, my God, these leftists are so absolutely insane. So absolutely insane. And then we got uh, my governor here, our governor, Larry Hogan, who thinks he's going to be president. It's funny. He can't even say. He thinks he's got a shot at being president of the United States. Um and, you know, he's off to a hell of a... St- There's always some idiot in the race who uh, sounds off. You can tell they get their their news from secondary sources, not the prime. The, the bill down in Florida, the law down in Florida, the parental rights and education, four pages long. And Larry Hogan goes, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the bill, but it's bad. You're not familiar with the bill, but it's bad? That's weird. So we'll get into that, but I want to start off... Uh, quickly with the uh, the news that I think most people woke up to and said, whoa, hey, maybe this is happening. The story that Elon Musk is now the largest, largest shareholder in uh, Twitter, which is kind of a big deal. Now, it's funny because Elon Musk, it doesn't, that's not trending. <laughs> that's what's funny about this is it's not trending. On Twitter, it didn't trend on Twitter. Doesn't Twitter decides what trends? 
actually. They don't care what people are actually talking about. If you get four dudes in their underpants talking about how some Republican is evil, they'll say, oh, uh, yeah, the Republican is evil is trending. But you get the world's richest man buying 9.2% of Twitter in pretty short order. That is kind of a big deal on the platform and in general for the concept of free speech. Because a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk was asking, hey, uh, should should free speech reign supreme on Twitter? Is free speech uh, important? And people were saying, yeah, bye, bye, bye. By Twitter. It's hugely important. Actually, they were trying to tell him to start his own social media platform, which is ridiculous. The guy's worth like a quarter of a trillion dollars. Tell him to buy his own. The company, all of Twitter, was worth $22 billion. Now, that's a rounding error in Elon's net worth. Keeping in mind, you don't have to have, you don't have to own 50% of the company to have effective control of it. You just got to have a big chunk of it. And then you can start firing people. You can start uh, packing the board with people who like free speech rather than neo-Nazi leftists who despise free speech. But I do have to tell you, this is uh, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for this one. Because back in February, February 17th, 2022, I wrote a column, The Best Way to Beat Left-Wing Social Media at Its Own Game. In it, I advised somebody and I threw the name out there, Elon Musk, to buy Twitter, to buy one. of You can't buy Facebook. Facebook is too valuable. But Twitter, relatively speaking, for somebody like Elon Musk, is affordable. I wrote, rather than retreat, a better course of, because I don't like the idea of, well, we're starting our own social media platform. We're starting our own social media platform. Like, okay, great. You can go talk to yourselves. And you watch these social media platforms that have come out And I'm sure they're perfectly fine, except for the fact that they all yip around and jump at Twitter and go, oh, we can, if you send your message at this one, we can post it to Twitter for you. We can do that. And well, at which point, why would I need your service? All right. I signed up for Getter. Nothing against Getter. I signed up for Parler, too. That was a waste of time. Nobody was ever there. All the talk I saw about Parler was on Twitter. So I, I said, all right, I'll, I'll create a parlor account. I'll see what's going on. And there was nothing, or very few people, I should say. And so I thought, well, this is a waste. I'm going to go back to where the action is because nothing is being updated here. And then it crashed and burned. Same with Getter. Nothing against Getter. I'm sure it's fine for some people. If you're, if you're banned from Twitter, um, unceremoniously and ridiculously banned from Twitter, then Getter is a viable option. It's just that I get all these emails about this. You can tell that the Trump campaign is is involved in it. I don't, you know, that's fine. But I don't want advertisements emailed to me under the guise of, here's the latest at Getter. I also, this, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, they said, now you can post your, I don't even know what they call them at Getter, your tweets from Getter onto your Twitter account and vice versa. In which, why do I need two things that do the same thing? I just don't understand that. But they do that because then they, if you sign up there, then they give you all these followers. They just give you the, the follower count is bogus. Just be, all right? Compete. It's going to take a while. You're not going to be a success overnight. That didn't work with Twitter. It didn't happen with Twitter. Why would it happen with you? 
have some patience and actually create your own thing. But, oh, they're all too busy trying to be, I don't know, Twitter right now. Well, Twitter's Twitter right now. Same with Get Social. I signed up for Get Social. I don't know a single human being who actually uses it, who isn't paid to use it, who doesn't pretend they're not paid to use it. But they're paid to use it. That's fine. You want to get people out there. You want to get big names to to use this and hype that they're using this. That's fine. I think you should tell people. I think it should be announced that it's an advertisement because otherwise nobody else is using it. Because, again, all the action is over on Twitter. So I wrote this back in February before all of that garbage. So rather than retreat, a better course of action would uh, be for all the capital being shoved in, shoveled into these alternative platforms, being pooled together and take over an existing one. Lord knows there are enough wealthy conservative or libertarian donors out there or just one pro-freedom billionaire with a ton of money looking at you, Elon Musk, who could do this themselves or partnered with others. Why not? And I wrote, Twitter would be the obvious choice to target for takeover. Facebook is uh, worth way too much. Plus, it doesn't really drive the news conversation the way Twitter does. Instagram is owned by Facebook and is more about narcissism than anything else. TikTok is owned by China, and they have no incentive to sell. They're too busy mining personal information from their idiot users and their phones. And YouTube is owned by Google, which has all more money than God and no reason to sell. So there it was, Twitter. Twitter is worth about 20, 22 million. Now it's going up. It's apparently up like 25% uh, on the news that Musk has been snarfing up as many shares as he can possibly get his hands on. But he got to 9.2% before anybody noticed it, which I think is pretty funny. And this has to be putting the fear of God into these leftists who run Twitter. Like, oh my God. We might have to change how we do things. We might have to open up Twitter to free speech. And I tell you, if Twitter adopts the right, the correct um, terms of service, it stops with this left-wing censoring garbage. The rest of the social media platforms, I think, would probably go away. Their reason for existing goes away. I don't want to see anybody lose their money on their investment, but the reason for being goes away if we get actual free speech on one of these things. No offense to President Trump and Truth Social that he put apparently a lot of money into, although I think he's already, through private invest, uh, private investment, has already made more money from it already. Devin Nunes resigned from the House of Representatives to go and run that company. But hey, this is about what works if people if the site works and it works great then the site won't have a problem but i'd much rather see the biggest platform turn to actual free speech and that's the difference between us and the left we on the right and those on the left what do they say they say get out of here if you don't like it go somewhere else start your own whereas if we actually just change the rules, the terms of service, whatever, the community standards to actually encompass free speech, anything short of illegal activity, anything short of illegal activity. Illegal activity includes, you know, child pornography. Illegal activity includes threatening somebody's life. And you empower the consumer, which Twitter weirdly already does. You can mute people. You can block people. You don't have to, you don't have to check your mentions. 
Have I mentioned that I rarely check my mentions? No, my, my direct messages are open. I don't always check those, but they're open. Anybody in the world can direct message me. Uh, but if you send me a link through there, I'm not going to click on it. I'm just not interested. You get to make that decision, that choice for yourself. That's the way it should be. That's the way a nation, a free nation, a free people, and adults on top of it all should and do communicate, should and do operate. If you don't want to hear something, change the channel. If you don't want to see something, change the channel, flip the page, do whatever it is. But instead, you've got these overlords, these Silicon Valley billionaires deciding no, sentient adults should not be seeing this. Sentient adults should not be hearing these sorts of things. I myself have been shadow banned for, I don't know, the better part of two years now on Twitter. My follower count was always going up steadily. It was approaching 60,000. Then they did the great Twitter purge and it went down to 49,000. And it has been stuck at 49, between 49,300 and 49,400 for two years. You look back at the history of it, you can go through your history of your followers, and it is goes up and then it goes back down. Now, throughout the history up until they did that great Twitter purge and shadow banned a bunch of conservatives, who meaning I don't show up in people's things. I know people who follow me who I've, you know, don't follow me now. They didn't unfollow me. Twitter unfollowed that me for them. Uh, they... Uh, the Twitter count doesn't change. It's like they put a cap on it. Whereas I'd get thousands of retweets before, you get uh, tens. And every once in a while, you can break through with hundreds of retweets, depending on if they say, well, only 10% of your followers can see certain posts. It's ridiculous. The former president of the United States is not allowed on Twitter. Period. End of story. That's absurd. That in a free country, that is the world that we live in. That is the world we're constructing. And yet that company, that company is free to do whatever the hell they want to do. But if they are deciding what is and isn't acceptable content on their site, then we need to change the laws. We need to make them liable for what is on there. If they're saying what isn't allowed on there, fine. They can do that. But that makes them liable for what is on there. You begin to see why they go, oh, no, wait a second. No, we can't do that. We don't want that. And why they spend a ton of money lobbying government. Whereas if someone like Elon Musk were to take over Twitter, were to successfully buy enough control over Twitter that he could effectively change the terms of service and decapitate the leadership, put in people there who are committed to the concept of free speech, committed to the First Amendment, then, boy, howdy, things would get interesting, wouldn't they? Actually, you know what I think would really happen? I think the left would probably lose interest in Twitter. That's what I, ultimately, it wouldn't be immediate. It would be over time, fairly short order, but not, uh, not immediately. Short order in the grand scheme of things. But I think they would lose interest in Twitter. They need to be able to control the narrative. They need to be able to shut up their opponents. They can't engage. They cannot have a civil discourse. They cannot have an open and honest debate. They like the idea that they can go out there and tick off a bunch of conservatives and then 
set about through reporting and oh, uh, let's just click and report this tweet and blah, blah, blah. We'll report this person and tweet it out and tell their followers, hey, let's let's block this person. Also, I suspect that there is a a coordinated effort behind the scenes for an email list or whatever to get people banned from Twitter. It's the only reason to explain either that or Twitter just employs people who have had a sense of humorectomy. It's the only way to explain why it is that something like the Babylon Bee, really the Onion used to be good at this, but they're not a satire site anymore. They're a left-wing propaganda outlet, sadly. Um, They are, the uh, Babylon Bee has been banned repeatedly for posts that are clearly humor. They're clearly humor. Now, they might not be your cup of meat. You might not find it particularly humorous. It doesn't matter. It's a joke. You don't get to ban jokes you don't like. You shouldn't. Fascists would. And that's what happens on Twitter. They expose universal truths. Last time Babylon B was suspended was because they named Rachel Levine their man of the year. Yeah. Pretty, pretty funny because she's winning... You know, she was on USA Today's Women of the Year, except it's a dude. She's been a dude for like 51 years and a woman for about 22 minutes. And then you think, my God, how old is Rachel Levine? You look it up and you go, holy cow, my, and she looks like that? Doesn't matter if it's in drag or not. That's just, that's hard living and put back, you know, thrown away wet or whatever. It's just not, not pretty. But they got suspended for that joke. They got suspended for that joke. I can see people not liking that joke. But I can't see people not knowing that's a joke. That's the difference. That's what I hope Elon Musk manages to overtake. That's what I hope Elon Musk manages to shake up. He's got you know more money than he knows what to do with. $22 million was what... Let's see, what is the uh, market cap Twitter? (laughs) Twitter is now, well, it's gone up. It's gone up about uh, $8 billion in net worth, which doesn't really mean anything when you're worth about $280 billion. But right now the market cap is $31 billion. Elon Musk is not only making money, he's making a lot of people money. If you own stock in Twitter, it's up significantly, apparently, and it's going to continue to go up unless and until Elon. I think it'll be big. I think there's a hunger out there for people who just want to be left the hell alone. I hope Elon Musk is serious about this and not just doing his Dogecoin sort of shtick. Time will tell. We shall see. But I will take credit for all of it. You're welcome, world. Now I want to shift gears just after I got the uh, Elon Musk thing off my uh, my back because there are going to be a lot of people out there, a lot of grifters trying to raise money off of, hey, I did this, I did that, and they're going to be on the right, and they're going to be named Jack, and they're going to be named uh, Benny and whatever, and they're going to go, I did this. I, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. I didn't do it either. Elon Musk is his own man, but uh, let's just set the record straight that I was the first one to talk about this long before any of these other clowns who've now bandwagoned onto it uh, had anything to say about it. So you're welcome, world. 
I can I can take the moral victory. And if Elon wants to give me a call, you know how to get in touch with me, Elon. So I got some ideas on how this thing should be run, starting with an edit function. Anyway, <laughs> here in Maryland, the uh, governor is a guy called Larry Hogan. Let me tell you a little. Sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale of a faithful trip, a fateful trip. A guy who, uh, with no real political experience, wanted to be governor. And so he uh, decided to run. Now, it was an open field as a Republican primary, and it was one of those things where you go, eh, it's a blue state, what are the odds? But Larry Hogan ended up getting the nomination. Businessman, they said. Oh, businessman. He's a businessman. Now, I was working in radio at the time at a different station, and that station had Larry Hogan on. All it was easy for me to get Larry Hogan on. It was more than that. It was easy for me to get Larry Hogan in the studio. Hey, uh, candidate Hogan, come on! In. Oh yeah, they're coming in. You want an hour? You want two hours? You want five hours? If you want him to set up camp there, that's fine. He was into it. And you don't blame him. He's running for office. You you need some publicity if you're running for office. You can't afford to buy all the. Uh, all the ad time that you'd want. So you, you take the free media that you can, especially in the local markets, rather than going on cable news. Now, cable news, by and large, ignored Larry Hogan. Why? Because who cares about some random Republican guy who looks like, you know, Morn from Star Trek Deep Space Nine running for governor in a state where he's never going to win. He's never going to win. Come on. And so you look at that and you go, well, we're not going to waste, Rachel Maddow's not going to waste time. Chris Hayes is not going to waste time. Morning Joe's not going to waste time, even though he's close and convenient. What's the point? He's not going to win. Well, through all of those media appearances and Democrats nominating somebody who was a horrible candidate associated with an unpopular governor, he was lieutenant governor, and the fact that Democrats will never, or at least have never yet, even come close to electing a black candidate statewide. Yeah, look it up. Larry Hogan ended up winning. Now, Larry Hogan, when he was running, was, I'm conservative this, conservative that, believe in conservative, 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 conservative. Larry Hogan, as governor, has been a massive disappointment. He did do some good things, you know, certainly, and he definitely stopped bad things from happening by his being in there. But, he is going to leave office early next year with all the political capital he has amassed. He was, he is the most popular governor in the country, not amongst people in the country, but as far as relative to his own population. In Maryland, his approval ratings in the mid to high 60s. Or there are other governors that are in the 60s and whatever, but Larry Hogan has the most highest approval rating in the country from his constituents, which is, I guess, nothing to sniff at. But if you didn't do anything with it, what's the point? If you didn't do anything with it, what's the point? That's what I would ask. He did not manage to create a groundswell for other Republicans. He couldn't even get the Republican population in the legislature to the point that a veto from him would be sustained. His vetoes are, are overruled. So essentially, he might as well not be there for most, about 95% of the government business in this state. It's absurd. 
It's ridiculous. He could have spent some time trying to elect other Republicans, but Larry Hogan is a bit of an absolutist. Either you're with him or you're the enemy. If you are not his type of Republican, you might as well not be a Republican, and you probably shouldn't be a Republican. It's stupid. He didn't burn any calories trying to elect somebody. He goes, you know what, I don't, personally, I don't like this person. Uh, Politically, I'm with him about 80% of the time. But you know what, it'll be better than Democrat in that seat. That's the kind of pill you have to swallow in politics. That is the compromise you have to make internally. Larry Hogan, for the good of the party and ultimately for the good of what he claimed, the agenda he cared about, he refused to do that. And so he got a second term because he was non-threatening and uh, things were going well in the state economically because, you know, right here, the federal government shoveling money into the state and all the employees. It's the uh, Virginia, D.C., Maryland corridor, that area, the further you get away from D.C., the the less impacted is, although people live far away now because it's so damned expensive, it's kind of recession proof. Because they, they got the printing presses and they've got the ability to tax. So they uh, things went well for Larry Hogan and he undid some of the unpopular things that the uh, idiot O'Malley did before him. So, you know. Well, <clears throat> for some weird reason, rather than be realistic about his future, Larry Hogan has decided that whatever fire he wishes to launch at anybody going to be aimed at his fellow Republicans. can't say fellow conservatives because I've lost the faith that Larry Hogan is actually a conservative. Now, he probably defines conservative to be whatever it is that fits his needs at any particular moment, but that's not really what conservatism is. As he's looking at his exit, his long exit, because he's term limited out, he could have and should have been running this year to be the next senator from the state of Maryland. Use that popular. He was given one last chance to use his political capital, to use his popularity for the good of something other than just himself and his career, and he passed on it. He passed on it because he wants to be president of the United States. Larry Hogan will not be president of the United States. Larry Hogan doesn't deserve to be president of the United States. Larry Hogan, all of the people, Larry Hogan's the the worst in politics. And there are people who are worse in politics, but what does politics do? It, the phonies in politics. Oh, I'm super conservative. I'm running for election. And even when he was running for re-election, you could get Larry Hogan to come on your show and talk about it. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Conservative this, conservative that, conservative the other thing. Now that he doesn't need the votes of conservatives and he recognizes that conservatives aren't going to get him, it's as though the people who put him in power do not exist. Moreover, it's as though they never existed. When the pandemic started, doing this show here in Maryland, Larry Hogan was all over MSNBC and CNN. Why? Because, well, he's close to... uh, Close to D.C. It's easy to get, and they could get him in studio. 
or they could get him set up. They didn't have to send a crew to any place complicated, and they wanted to be able to say, hey, we got a Republican governor on as well. So they get Larry Hogan on. He was saying all the right things, meaning all the left things. Donald Trump, blah, 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 terrible, terrible, blah, blah, blah. He was a Democrat mouthpiece coming out of a Republican head. Okay. But the local conservative talk shows, the people that had helped him get into office, couldn't get him on the show. Couldn't do it. I couldn't get him on my show. He would not come on. Why? I don't know why. When I'm sitting there and you're looking at a situation where the state is being locked down. People are scared. People are worried. You can't blame people for being scared and worried. The initial reports were awful and terrible and horrible. You look to political leadership in those times. They're the ones who are saying, trust us, empower us. We'll blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Larry Hogan's office would respond and say, yes, uh, we're the first time I asked. Yes, we're interested in this. We might be able to do that. What are you thinking? What are you talking about? And you, I was not saying I want to get him on here because I think he sucks. I was saying I want to get him on here because I, people have a lot of questions. People have a lot of answers, the things they need answered. Let's, let's have those things. Can we have the governor on to talk about them? And instead, you got the runaround for a second, and then you got nothing. Then you got nothing. Then it became radio silence. And it was pathetic. Because you'd turn on the television and what would you see? You would see Larry Hogan sitting there with Jake Tapper. Okay, well, I don't think Jake Tapper voted for you, dude. Jake Tapper, first of all, lives in in Washington, D.C., so he couldn't vote for you. Um, the audience you're trying to reach theoretically should be your constituents since you're the governor of this state. Maybe, just maybe, you'd want to talk to them, but no. He had no desire to talk to them. He had no desire to talk to anybody who wasn't already on his side, who wasn't already his in his pocket, on his team. Rather pathetic, to be honest with you. So uh, Larry Hogan now has just come out full bore basically as a leftist. He thinks that there is a left lane in the Republican primary. He thinks that, oh boy, howdy, we're going to get all of these Republicans to vote for me because why? Because everybody else will be so split up with the the pro-Trump vote. And he might be right. There is a lane there. It's just not nearly the lane he thinks it is. But he will not engage. He will not have conversations. He will not deal with anybody who isn't his type of Republican. It's just that his type of Republican, he's been sort of exposing himself as, is kind of being a dumbass. (laughs) No offense to Larry Hogan, but it's kind of being a dumbass. So let's listen to Larry Hogan, shall we? Larry Hogan. Uh, not, you know, I'll be honest. I like Larry personally. He was very nice to me back when he could get something from me. When I got married, he tweeted, I think he tweeted out, congratulations, when he got uh, 
when we had Quinn, he tweeted out congratulations. To, I don't know how he found out, but uh, to either. We didn't invite him, <laughs> and we didn't tell him. But he was uh, very, very nice, More nicer he didn't, than he had to be. Uh, then he, you know, needed to be or didn't didn't need to be anything. But something changed. Something happened to Larry. Maybe it's that power. I bet it's that uh, it's that love. It's that sixty-eight percent approval rating where you're sitting there and you're going, "They love me. They absolutely love me." And I'm like, yeah, but what are you going to do with that love? Well, no, I'm going to keep it. Well, no, public adoration for its own sake only feeds your ego. If you don't use it for what you know to be good, your time with it is wasted completely. And that seems to be the case with Larry. He just seems to have wasted it. That's fine, I suppose. He could have done a lot more good. He could have done some things. He could have won some fights. He could have picked some fights. But he chose not to. He'd much rather leave office wildly popular than leave office wildly consequential. So he was on CNN over the weekend, again, going to CNN rather than any local outlets, and was asked by Dana Bash about the the Florida bill, the parental rights and education bill, the one that Democrats say, don't say gay, which is not true whatsoever. Listen to Larry Hogan's answer here, and then we have an isolation on it. You'll know the exact moment that I'm going to isolate in this thing when you hear it, but you sit there and you go, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Do you, do you recognize the words coming out of your mouth? The answer might be no. But it's typical of people, well, it's typical of everybody in this debate on the left. It just shouldn't be typical of a Republican, a self-professed conservative. Remember, the bill is four pages. Four pages. You could read that on your way to this. You could read that during the commercial break leading into your interview, Larry, but you chose to do none of it. Uh, Your fellow Republican governor, DeSantis in Florida, he suggested that he will retaliate against Disney after it criticized Florida's so-called Don't Say Gay bill, which bans certain instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity in the classroom. What's your reaction to that? And then more broadly, what do you make of that legislation? Well, I didn't, law, I I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole, the whole thing seems like uh, just a you know, crazy fight. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, it concerns me. The Santos is always talking about uh, you know, he was not not demanding that businesses do things, but he was, you know, telling the cruise lines what they had to do. He was telling local schools what they're mandating. And now he's he wants to criticize Disney for expressing, you know, how they feel about that uh, that bill. I mean, they have every right to it. We have a thing called freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they can they can come out and say what they think. I think the the bill was kind of absurd uh, and uh, not something that would have happened in our state. Yeah, no, you're not going to protect kids in your state, Larry, which is why, um, yeah, which is says a lot about you. But I love it. It says more about you is uh, I'm not familiar with the legislation, but I think it's absurd. How can you not be familiar? How can you think anything of it if you're not familiar with it? Well, because I've been watching CNN and that's where I get my impressions of it. I read the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post, and that's where my impression of this piece of legislation came from. Really? 
You didn't take the two minutes it would take you to read the four-page bill itself to find out that, A, the word gay doesn't appear in it anywhere, but, uh, you know, find out that it is for kindergarten through third grade that nothing about sexual orientation or gender should be taught. Leave the kids alone. Don't preach straightness. Don't preach gayness. Don't preach anything. Don't teach anything. Just on that subject, teach kids how to read, write, do math, and do all those sorts of things. And you would have learned that pretty easily, Larry. You wouldn't have ended up looking like a complete idiot, which, make no mistake, you look like a complete idiot going on CNN and spewing this garbage. I mean, it's your audience. They love a Republican who looks like a complete idiot. In fact, it's the only type of Republican CNN employees. employees so I guess maybe you're trying to get a, a gap filler while you contemplate a run for president as a CNN contributor. They can have you, Larry. They can have you. Now, you just heard Larry going, oh, I don't know about this. It's absurd, this bill in Florida. But I want to play you just the isolation on what is the money part of that clip. Larry went on. It's about a minute and 20 seconds or so. He admits, I I have no idea. I have no idea about what's in I'm not familiar with the. First of all, well, let's just listen to Larry. Well, I didn't, law, I, I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole, the whole thing seems like uh, just a you know, crazy fight. <laughs> I didn't see the details of the legislation, but the whole thing seems crazy. Well, uh, how? What, do, what are you basing that on? Well, I read a report on uh, MSNBC.com about this. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's what I, that's super, I didn't realize you were that conservative, Larry. You're so conservative that you just get your news from there. Now, my question, in addition to a lot of questions, is, uh, what the hell has Larry been doing that he doesn't know anything about this piece of legislation? How do you live in a world where you don't know anything about this? Certainly, you know, nothing of note. Other than, well, it's absurd. It shouldn't have happened, and we sure as hell wouldn't do it here. Yeah, no, it's wildly popular. There's no way you would do it in Maryland, Larry. No way. Because it uh, it doesn't appeal to the 0.3% who give a damn about these things or the, the 0.5% scarily who are teachers who desperately want to talk to a five-year-old about sexual orientation, sex acts, and everything else. And they need to be able to talk about going paddleboarding with their partner or else with a five-year-old or else their lives are incomplete. Now your lives will never be complete. But where is, what is Larry Hogan doing with his time that he has no idea what, it, what this bill is, what this law is? And what does it say about Larry Hogan that he, knowing this, theoretically, if you believe this, Knowing this, you still comment on it anyway. I don't know anything about this, but I hate it. Really? Hey, have you tried this new soup? Nope. Didn't even know there was a new soup, but let me tell you, it sucks. All right. What are you basing your opinion on there? Well, I'm just telling you it sucks. There you go. That's all you need to know. Larry Hogan should be embarrassed. The right thing for Larry Hogan to say or have said in that situation, if what he's saying is true is, look, I don't know anything about this piece of legislation. I'm too busy being governor of Maryland and being, uh, you know, smugly planning, a, I can't even say it without chuckling, a 2024 run for the presidency to bother with what's going on down in Florida. 
But no, instead, he goes, he pleads his ignorance. I don't know anything about what's going on. I'm Sergeant Schultz when it comes to what, you know, has been one of the top news stories for the past couple of weeks, if not a month. I don't know anything about that. But let me tell you this. It sucks. I know enough about it to know that I'm on CNN and the people who watch CNN hate it. So I hate it. Go to LarryHogan.com and please donate generously. Unbelievable. This is the guy. And you sit there and you go, well, why is this guy so popular? Well, if you're a Democrat, isn't that exactly what you want to hear out of a Republican? You hear that out of a Republican, that is going to be all over the place. MSNBC, CNN, all day they're going to be playing that. Larry Hogan is going after Ron DeSantis. That is, that's the best thing possible. Because they got a, they're lousy with Democrats going after Ron DeSantis. They got more Democrats going after Ron DeSantis than, than there are Democrats. It's like insane. It's like, a, it's like a voting precinct in Philadelphia with 125% turnout. They got more people, more Democrats vying for contributor contracts going after Ron DeSantis than they know what to do with. And they could possibly fill the time with contributors. So you get a Republican out there especially a popular Republican, well, a Republican who's wildly popular with Democrats. And that's gold, baby. That is gold. Maybe Larry gets himself a contributor deal uh, there at CNN. He's going to be out of work soon. He's going to have a little bit of time on his hands. He can go down that route. Those cable news contributorships, they're easy gigs. They'll set you up with a studio in your house that you can use most of the time. And uh, you can just sit there on your butt talk and make six figures easy be gold and somebody like larry hogan a republican former governor thinking about running for president who uh attacks republicans constantly my god my god is gold that is john mccain without the uh the ba- the family baggage and the uh, multiple marriages. It is gold. Granted, he doesn't have the national service that John McCain had, but the left never really respected that anyway. They just used it as a shield when it was convenient. It's kind of weird how that works out. Now I want to play you some audio from Florida. That's right in line with Larry Hogan. That's right in line with the left. It's a Democrat, of course, so of course it's in line with Larry Hogan. And Larry, you're free to call in. <laughs> I'll have Larry on the show anytime. Um, Florida Representative Carlos G. Smith. Now, Carlos G. Smith, let me find this because it is... It, you, you hear this guy talk, you hear what he has to say, and you go, there's no way this guy doesn't have his pronouns in his... Bio, And you're right. He has his pronouns in his bio. He is wildly upset with the so-called don't say gay bill, even though it doesn't say gay in any way, shape or form. Here he is. Carlos G. Smith. His bio reads Florida's first LGBTQ Latino legislator. (laughs) His profile photograph is him with tape over his mouth with gay written over it. Yes. So you know what you're dealing with right there in the first place. But the fact that he's had to segregate himself down to the point that I'm not only... He's not the first gay legislator. 
He's the first gay Latino legislator. What about the first, I bet you somebody will claim the title, first uh, lesbian Latino legislator in Florida. The first uh, transgender whatever or pan-flutist whatever. They love being first. <laughs> Even when they have to, they love it so much they have to make up the categories. Oh, I'm the first... I'm the first right-handed LGBTQ Latino senator who is uh, not quite, but almost five foot eight. Yes, my, there has been a five foot eight one who is left-handed, but I'm almost five foot eight. And uh, there you go. It's not not to be confused with the first left-handed LGBTQ Latino who was five foot seven and a half. See, that's not almost five foot eight. Five foot. Uh, eight or five foot seven and three quarters is close. That's my area. That's where my sweet spot is. Please donate to my campaign. His bio then continues House District 49. He, him, L. I don't know what the hell. Spanish something or other. Good husband, brother, son, plus favorite gunkle. What is a gunkle? I, it might be a misspelling, but he spelled it gunkle. Guess gay uncle, maybe? It's just G and then uncle, but it's all one word. It's not hyphenated. Favorite gunkle. Sounds to me like maybe Carlos G. Smith, representative, has a whole bunch of his identity wrapped up in his sexuality, which makes him, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, yes, pathetic. If you are defined by your genitals and what you do with them. You are pathetic. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. is rolling over in his grave to the point that you could hook up some wires and power the eastern seaboard. And compared to what this country has become. I have a dream one day that my four little children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now it's God, I want them to be judged by the color of their skin, by their genitals, what they do with those genitals, which bathroom they use, how they feel at any given moment, and make sure that they are always referred to by the proper pronouns, even though those pronouns are usually made up, largely made up, and can be made up on the spot, thereby making it impossible for you to achieve this goal I have a dream that someday we will be able to achieve this goal. It's nuts. Listen to Carlos G. Smith in a local television station down there. He doesn't care either. He's not wedded to reality. On Monday, the governor said people who oppose this bill, like yourself, are sloganeering by calling it the Don't Say Gay bill. So let's start there. The bill does not say don't say gay. In fact, it does not have the word gay in the bill text at all. So why is that not a misrepresentation of the bill? Well, the fact that the word gay is not in the bill is irrelevant. The effect of the bill is the same. The bill overtly censors classroom instruction of sexual orientation, meaning the teacher can't say it. They can't say gay as part of instruction. And what is included in classroom instruction, we don't know. We don't know because the sponsors of the Don't Say Gay bill refuse to define what classroom instruction means. Uh, and because the bill has this 
vigilante enforcement mechanism that allows for individuals to sue a school if they believe there's a violation of House Bill 1557, what you're going to have is you're going to have teachers who are afraid to broach the topic of LGBTQ people or, you know, really include LGBTQ people in the classroom at all for fear that they're going to be investigated. There's going to be a lawsuit. They're going to have their careers ruined. And unfortunately, that's the chilling effect that comes from this bill. That's the chilling effect that comes from this bill. You won't be able to talk to five-year-olds about sexual orientation, which you shouldn't be talking to five-year-olds about sexual orientation. Think about that. You're this upset. Did you know your teacher's sexual orientation? Did you know Did you know your elementary school teacher's first name? I bet you didn't know your elementary school teacher's first name. You didn't have a damn clue. You knew that they were the teacher, And they were going to teach you about math, writing, reading, those sorts of things. That was it. We have to start off today class. And before we get to coloring, let's talk about what we did this weekend. Me and my partner went to a retreat on Fire Island. Blah, 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 blah. No, you don't need to know that. In fact, you shouldn't know that. You are not ever going to be a child's friend. You should never be anyway. You shouldn't be. You desperately want to be, which is some sort of weird thing about you in your head. But it's sickness, not a reality. It's not you. You are not welcome to be my child's friend. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're a damn Ken doll. You're the adult. You're the teacher. Teach. Period. End of story. That's your job. That's it. Do your job. Do your job well. And then some years down the road, maybe if you made an impression on the child, then you can go, oh, I remember Mr. Bill. He was so awesome. He changed my life. And you can get a a name drop and an Oscar speech or something. But other than that, you are not going to be, and you should not aspire to be, and the fact that you do is everything wrong with education. You want to be somebody's friend. You want to mold little mice. supposed to, anybody who goes into teaching because they want to mold the next generation of thinkers should not be allowed in teaching. They're not teaching people how to think. They're teaching people what to think. And that goes double for this. While we're on this subject, I don't know. I woke up this morning and I found, uh, I saw an ad from Oreo cookies. And I said, I don't follow Oreo cookies. I don't think I follow any brands. I don't understand anybody who does follow brands on social media, on Twitter, But they've got uh, 992,900 and more Twitter followers on there because people are so stupid. They always give me this, hey, do you want to follow this topic or that topic? No. No, if I did, I would search for it. I know how the search option works. But you wake up and you see an ad from Oreo and you're like, okay, what's going on? It's two and a half minutes long and it's in Chinese, I think, or mostly in Chinese or whatever the parts I watched were. It's all subtitled. And then you look and you see that uh, hashtag lifelong ally is trending. And it's related to Oreo. It's promoted by Oreo cookie. And you're like, what the hell is a lifelong ally have to do with cookies? Well, it does not. Well, it does in that this is the world that we live in now. It says, um, 
Allyship is action. The Note, colon, an Oreo film by Alice Wu. Alice Wu is a director. Alice Wu is an American film director and screenwriter known for her films Saving Face and The Half of It. Both of her films feature Chinese-American main characters and explore lives of intellectual lesbian characters. Wow, it just sounds fascinating. It's amazing to me. I know my next weekend's plans. God help us. So they hired a lesbian director to make a a two-and-a-half-minute short film about Oreos and coming out. (laughs) Because that's what you need with your cookie. You sit there and you go... What the hell is this world coming to? You're an Oreo cookie. Maybe Elon Musk can buy Nabisco. I think they make Oreos. But they tweeted it out, quote, Coming out doesn't happen just once. It's a journey that needs love and courage every step of the way. Share our new film and let someone know you're their lifelong ally. No. I don't like somebody because of who they sleep with. I don't dislike somebody because of who they sleep with. So if you want me to be your ally, your pal, your co-pilot, your partner, whatever, be based on who you sleep with, it's not going to happen. I don't give a damn. Oh, my little fragile psyche, what about all of it? I don't care. Can I put it in plain English? Yeah, I can. I don't care. I could put it in plainer English, but that would violate standards of language. But it's a two and a half minute thing about some guy who's Chinese. I don't know if he's in America or in China. I don't care. Talking about something or other. I didn't read the the whole. I lost interest almost immediately. I thought uh, I've got to not. I'm not going to buy Oreo cookies anymore. If this is you're a cookie, shut up and bake. All right. That was what we were told. Uh, Well, do it. Do it. Did you know that Oreo cookies, your Oreo cookies were gay? Did you know that? I bet you didn't. I bet you just thought, well, these are only palatable when they're completely saturated with milk. I can choke down one of these things when they're saturated with milk. You know, what's funny is my sister-in-law, it's kind of gross too. My sister-in-law puts, runs it under the faucet. Like she turns, instead of milk, instead of dipping the Oreo in milk, she puts it. But it just goes to show you that you have to do something to an Oreo cookie because otherwise you're going to like cough and choke it up or give yourself the hiccups because it's just so crunchy and dry and encrusted. But yeah, did you know that uh, Oreo cookies was gay? I didn't know that Oreo cookies were gay. But now that I know... That Oreo cookies has a sexuality and they want uh, my approval, I'm going to deny them to it. Not because I'm anti-gay, but because I'm anti-my-cookie-telling-me-anything. you gotta have, you got to draw a line somewhere, don't you? There's mine. We've got a lot more. This is amazing to me that we are in 2022 having so many discussions about what constitutes male or female. You think that, as, you know... This, we figured this one out a long time, right? Pretty much Adam and Eve. Pretty sure there wasn't a whole lot of confusion there. Adam's like, I'm a man and I find you attractive. And Eve goes, well, I don't really. Have you thought about this? I'm not really sure that I'm, you're, what if I'm a man? Does that make you gay, Adam? We need need to sit down and discuss these sorts of things. Like, nope, we had it all figured out. 
Yeah, gay people have always been around, but uh, their existence wasn't dependent upon it. You know, like oh, acknowledge that I'm gay. Acknowledge that I'm gay. No, I don't. I don't care that you're. I acknowledge you're gay. Congratulations, you're you're gay. Is there a trophy somewhere I'm supposed to send you or something? Because I don't. I don't really care. And if you go, well, I need these people. Like you're going to invalidate so many children, and so, so many. I'm not. I'm not invalidating anybody. I know you don't get a say in what I have to do, and I don't really care if you're hinging and hanging upon my acceptance. Well, then tough, tough turds. You're on your own. Uh, but if you want to live any way you want, I couldn't care less. Just leave me the hell alone. And it's that last bit that makes it the, the catch. And now people are really starting to have had enough. I hope it's not too late that people started to have enough. But people are finally starting to have enough. This story comes to us, you know, all about uh, Leah Thomas. My idea was if you get uh, all the women in the uh, the women's swimming competition in the NCAA, if they go out there and they stand in those starting blocks and the gun goes off or the buzzer, or the burp or whatever that weird noise is, goes off, and uh, Leah Thomas leaps into the lead, dives into the pool, and the seven other ladies up there don't get wet at all. They just step back down. I, uh, I think the Leah Thomas situation would have been resolved a long time ago. Now I'm not really sure. Now I'm not really sure that the NCAA has the testicular fortitude, has the, uh, the swimsuit content the front of the swim, like Leah Thomas does, to stand up now at this point because it's too far gone. But other sports are learning. This story comes to us from the Daily Wire. A biological male cyclist who now identifies, allegedly, because I don't know, how, how do you prove that somebody's actually telling the truth? Actually, I don't, I don't believe that people are out there going, you know what, it's like Joanna Man, the movie. If you uh, can't make it in the NBA, you make it in the WNBA, and that'll be great. All you got to do is pretend to be a woman. Uh, sooner or later, that will come to pass, by the way. But the uh, I don't think there's anybody out there going, you know what, I really want to be a, a, a swimmer, so I'm going to pretend to be a chick. I just don't think that's the way. Or I want to win so desperately as a swimmer that I'm going to pretend to be a woman. I don't think that's what's going on. I think that there are mental issues, other mental issues going on, but would it totally surprise me if down the road and Leah Thomas's autobiography in 10 years I said, well, I, I was faking it, but I knew that I wanted to get a full ride scholarship and have a chance at the Olympics or whatever. Would it surprise me? Not completely. I just, I doubt it. Anyway, a biological male cyclist who now identifies as female was barred from competing in a women's championship race this weekend following threats of boycott from female competitors. That's how you do it. That is leaving everybody else on the starting blocks while Leah Thomas jumps in the water. Just don't say, all right, we're not going to compete. We're going to lose. Men have a physical advantage over women. There's a reason these two categories exist. And you just simply going, I feel like a woman, therefore I'm a woman. You know, you can dress any way you want. You can live any way you want. You don't get to force everybody else into your delusions. Sorry. 
But, uh, yeah, Emily Bridges, who formerly competed against men as Zach Bridges, was cut from the Women's British National Omnium Championship on Saturday. This would have been Bridges' first race against women. The athlete only began hormone therapy last year, according to the BBC. Bridges was determined to be ineligible to compete by the UCI, Cycling's governing body, after women threatened to boycott the race. Wouldn't have been much of a women's race if the women didn't show up, would it? Bridges was determined ineligible to compete by the the UCI cycling governing body after women's friend Bridges, quote, Bridges, who set a national junior men's record over 25 miles in 2018. So I guarantee you that it is faster than the women's record for that time by a significant amount. Had been due to compete against several British Olympians, including Dame Laura Kenny in her first race in the women's category. The Guardian reported, however, UCI ruled the 21-year-old who began hormone therapy last year to reduce her testosterone levels was currently not compliant with its regulation as she is still registered as a male cyclist and therefore cannot compete as a woman until her male UCI ID expires. They're They're trying to have their cake and eat it too here. I mean, the end result is fine. The end result matters in this case for these women. But there will be another group of women. There will be other women. It might even be these women who will have to deal with this once and for all. And the cycling governing body is trying to postpone them having to deal with it. Which, well, it hasn't been long enough. He's still registered as a dude. We can't have a dude registered competing with the women. We have to wait for that to expire. Mm. I can think of a better reason why this dude should not be cycling with women. The Guardian noted that the UCI's decision came amid a growing backlash from within the sport, with the Guardian understanding that a number of female riders were talking about boycotting the event in Derby because they felt Bridges, who was on the Great British Academy program as a male rider until he dropped in 2020, had an unfair advantage. The BBC noted that the UCI can bar Bridges from cycling against women even if the athlete meets eligibility requirements in an effort to protect the health and safety and guaranteed fair and meaningful competition that displays and rewards the fundamental values and the meaning of the sport. Will they have the underpant content to do that? It seems highly unlikely. Now, I'm surprised, and there is all hell breaking loose, as you might imagine, and there will be even more hell breaking loose as the international left, which is seemingly on a mission to deny men and women's existence. That's really what it, really what they're doing is they're denying women's existence. They say that everybody's a man. That's what's weird about it. There's this thing circulating again over the weekend. It's a couple years old. It's like a subway advertisement. There's um, a men bleed too, or something like that, and it's a whole bunch of women who have mutilated their bodies to remove their breasts, standing topless in their white underpants. Now they're men, you see, but they're menstruating. And I won't go into the graphic details of how you know they're menstruating in this advertisement, but you do. 
And I would say that only women menstruate. It's pretty simple. Period. End of story. There is no discussion beyond that. No man has ever menstruated. If men out there, if you're listening, if you bleed regularly and for extended periods of time from that region, go to the hospital now. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Get to the hospital as quickly as you possibly can. One person who gets this, this is from last fall, but it is recirculating again because no other politician that I've ever seen has the, uh, the guts to speak with this amount of clarity. This is Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson. You've probably seen him on Fox. You've probably heard him derided on MSNBC and CNN if you watch, because he is a black man. He is a conservative black man. Back in the fall, he was at a black church, and the idea of transgenderism came up. And Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson He didn't mince any words from the pulpit. It's quite a beautiful, stirring, powerful speech. Here's some of it. There's something else I'm not supposed to say. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. And I can already see WRL out there. They got their licking their pencils right now, trying to write fiercely so they can. Get every word of this here. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. (laughs) Now you heard the crowd. This is a a black church down in North Carolina, and they are in the the, the whole uh, pulpit area. You watch the video, and it's on my uh, Twitter feed. It it is... uh, it is made up of black clergy who are kind of sitting there giving him an amen. Some of them you kind of go, oh, geez, we're going to catch hell for this. But you can see that uh, the crowd and the vast majority of the clergy are absolutely in uh, right there alongside Mark Robinson. Right there alongside Mark Robinson. He wasn't done. He continued. Cut five. Go. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. And I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell trying to teach them that mess in our schools tell you like this that ain't got no place at no school two plus two don't equal transgender it equals four you need to get back to teaching them how to read 
instead of teaching them how to go to hell. There you go. You can see why this is making the rounds, why this has people going, yeah, you know what, finally somebody says it like it is. And these kids, these women over, and I guess they're not kids, but these women over in uh, the UK saying enough is enough. We're not going to race against a man. We're just not going to. Sorry. It has nothing to do with transphobia. It has to do with some common damn sense. That's the way to do it. Now, if the women here did this in the uh, against Leah Thomas, all hell would break loose. The left would be demanding that they all be expelled. They all, how dare these hate mongers and this, that, and the other thing. But it's true. It's simply true. And the left's outrage has no bearing on reality whatsoever. And it should not ever be allowed to. These people have to be fought. These people have to be beaten. These people have to be beaten back. Because they're coming relentlessly. They don't give a damn. They're not bound by... I mean, for God's sakes, they're questioning what a woman is and what a man is and talking about birthing people and chest feeders and all of that. If you notice, all this stuff, the Washington Post and the New York Times, they all now use birthing persons. Mother is being wiped away. Everything they're doing is eliminating women. It's women. Men aren't breastfeeding anybody or chest feeding anybody men aren't given birth nothing it's all negating women now i thought that they were all about all the republicans are a war remember that wasn't 10 years ago republicans are waging a war on women don't you know mitt romney has binders full of women binders full of women and you sat there and you thought they couldn't get any dumber than that well uh, they can't they get a hell of a lot dumber. And all the changes they are making are wiping out women from existence. Title IX exists so that women in sports have a chance to play sports, to make sure that they have equal access to sports as men, as boys. And what do you see? And that's being obliterated now because they're saying, well, you know what? That woman has a penis and she wants to run in this race. And if you point that out, boy, howdy, you're some sort of isterphobe. And how dare you even? Don't you dare and what you doing? They're not getting rid of father. They don't even, well, they're getting rid of father in the sense that they're trying to pretend that the fathers don't exist. But they've been doing that forever. Now they're coming for women. What was it? Was it Virginia Slims? Uh, like their advertisement slogan is, you come a long way, baby. Now here's a cigarette for you. You come a long way, baby. Now here's your own little uh, pinner cigarette thing. Well, you come too far, ladies. You've come full circle. Now the beast that you and the feminists helped create, all that worthless anger that you created over next to nothing is now being weaponized against you. It's coming to get you. Frankenstein's monster always, always, always returns to burn the castle. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but it deserves to be tooted because I've been saying that forever and that's exactly what's happening here. You helped create this monster and now he's coming for you. You got a whole bunch of allies who you hate politically. And the leftist women, some women, they're torn. I love seeing it. There's the Martina Navratilovas and the J.K. Rawlings who are just as feminist as anybody. You're going, wait a second. 
This ain't right. This is this needs to stop. You can't just negate the existence of women. And then you've got the new millennial ones going. You're a transphobe. No, no, that's not. No, you're the same people. Who look at Rick Grinnell, Trump's former acting national security advisor, who says, you know, uh, this Florida law is not don't say gay. It's ridiculous, and you shouldn't be talking to kids about this stuff anyway. And they go, you're just a homophobe, dude. You're a tra-. and Rick Grinnell is gay. Rick Grinnell is gay with a very healthy relationship that is probably more fulfilling than any of the people whining about him putting on dresses crying themselves to sleep at night because their parents didn't love them enough. Call me old-fashioned, but I'll take that six ways from Sunday over these leftist lunatic Nazis. That's just me. We have vice president news, ladies and gentlemen. Believe it or not, yes, the vice president who can't keep staff on staff is losing even more people. Your deputy chief of staff, a guy named Michael Fuchs, is leaving, according to an internal memo seen by Reuters. That's got to be almost a dozen, if not a baker's dozen, of of people who just get the hell out of Dodge when it comes to dealing with Kamala Harris. Now, you would think, if you think about this logically, if Kamala Harris were a sane, rational human being who was... Not necessarily a joy to work for, but was palatable to work for. Working for the vice president right now under these circumstances in this administration would be the catbird seat. If she were even remotely likable, this would be an ideal job. It's clear a stepping stone, clearly a stepping stone to the presidency for somebody who has some political skills, some normal human ability to connect with people. This would be the way to go. You get in with the vice president. Joe Biden can't finish the first term. Boom, you're right there in the big house. Or Joe Biden finishes the first term but says no second term, whatever. If Joe Biden were remotely competent, they'd be. Uh, it, it would be the catbird seat for self-serving politicos who are interested in you know advancing their career. Yet they're abandoning abandoning this ship as quickly as humanly possible because Kamala is so wildly unpopular. Kamala is so insufferable to work for, or so the stories go. And uh, it's it's just, it's just, you look at these people and you go, you don't want to work for the vice president. Your heartbeat away from the president. That heart is belongs to Joe Biden. The 25th Amendment. There's a, there's a better than average possibility that uh, you would be working for the president of the United States by the end of the first term, and people are running and fleeing away from it. Meanwhile, you've got these clowns over at the Washington Post. Look, Jennifer Rubin, who I affectionately refer to as the bridge troll because, well, she looks like a bridge troll, is a columnist for the Washington Post. She started off, she was allegedly a conservative, right? Oh, I'm a conservative. But her uh, blog used to be like the right side or something like that, whatever it was. Uh, they've, I think they've ended that. I don't think that they even pretend that uh, she is remotely conservative. In any way, shape, or form, she's now just a, a full-blown lefty, which puts her in line with everybody over at the Washington Post. Her column today, the Washington Post, tweeting out, Opinion by Jennifer Rubin. If it weren't for inflation, this president's economic performance would be unmatched. 
<laughs> if it weren't, if it weren't for that, why, if it weren't for my SAT scores, I would have gotten a full ride scholarship to Harvard. Were it not for my complete lack of interest in the field, I could have been a doctor. Were not you just imagine these things are circulating on social media. They're rather brilliant. I recommend you find them and mock them and laugh at them. But the idea that if it weren't for this, if it weren't for infl- inflation, is a direct result of Joe Biden's policies. The jobs numbers, as they were, are not a direct result of Joe Biden's policies. They have nothing to do with Joe Biden's policies. They have to do with the fact that many states, the rest of the, I think all the states by now have to be reopened, that states are reopening, that restrictions put on businesses to force them to close have come to an end, either because of the Democratic leadership, there's always the Democrats that were last, or in spite of the Democratic leadership, whatever it is, those restrictions have gone to an end. So the people who were forcibly shuttered their businesses because of government regulation are now reopening them. And guess what? They're rehiring the people that they'd already had. That leads to a bogus way of counting job growth. Oh, job growth has been enormous under Joe Biden. No, it's not new jobs. These are jobs returning. These are businesses allowed to reopen. These are businesses who the government has now taken its boot off the neck of. Not new jobs, old jobs returning. Kind of an important distinction, but one that the left will not make, cannot make, because then the altern- then people will begin to realize, well, then Joe Biden hasn't really done anything, has he? Also, we're outside that window of time when these Democrats who uh, were looking for work because they were laid off were counted as unemployed. Not all these jobs have returned. There are a lot of them that gave up work. We're outside that six-month, you lost your job window. Are you still looking for work? No, you've given up looking for work. You've given up hope of finding a job. You no longer count in the unemployment statistics. It's a very perverted fact, but it is a fact that that is how our government calculates these numbers. Because, what do I always say? If you control the unit of measure, you control everything. You will win every single time if you control what constitutes winning. So you set these things up and you say, well, Joe Biden has been the greatest jobs president ever, even though he wasn't. He hasn't been. There's no new jobs. In fact, these are jobs that were likely created during the Trump administration, returning, trying to give it a go in the Biden administration. Whether or not they'll be able to remains to be seen, but they're at least giving it a sporting chance, and God bless them for that. But the inflation part, which was, were it not for inflation? Well, were it not for that, you know, decapitating two people, O.J. Simpson's acting career would have probably rivaled that of anybody in Hollywood today. Well, you know, that's kind of a big if. It's kind of a an oopsie in there. You might want to, I don't know, rethink that analogy. No, 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 no. If it weren't for the iceberg event, the... Uh, the maiden voyage of the Titanic would have been an amazing success and a great PR moment for the Red Star line. What a, what a stupid way to frame it. But only a liberal could frame something like this. Only somebody trying to lie to you 
trying to do some sleight of hand would ever think to frame something like this. Well, were it not for all the bad things, yeah, were it not for all the sick people, we'd be the healthiest country on the planet. Anybody can play this game. Should you? Should grown adults be playing this game? Hell no, grown adults shouldn't be playing this game. But grown adults don't write columns for the Washington Post. Grown adults don't write columns for the Washington Post. By the way, you know, everybody knows who Shannon Sharp is, speaking of grown adults. Shannon Sharp, former football player, he hosts something on Fox Sports or whatever, one of those stupid shows where they pretend to yell at each other for an hour. It's like cable news, except it's about sports. He's tweeting out, uh, quote, I'd rather, when asked whether or not he still hates Donald Trump, quote, I'd rather pay 20 bucks a gallon than have Trump in office. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, there's a man of the people right there. His net worth is like $18 million. He can afford 20 bucks a gallon. This is him and pretty much every leftist who agrees with this philosophy. This is essentially them urinating on everybody else who can't afford $20 a gallon saying, I don't care. At least there are no mean tweets. I'd much rather have my guy in the office screwing things up than somebody I don't like doing well for everybody. It's a disease, liberalism, a mental disorder. We're out of time for today. I appreciate you tuning in, sharing, and all that stuff. Be back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Well, I didn't. I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole the whole thing seems like uh, just a you know crazy fight.